Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Welcome to Thrive Radio. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Michael Gansman. He's a strategic business advisor and executive coach with over 31 years of experience. He's the owner of Mastermind Advisory Services, a strategic advisory firm dedicated to assisting visionary owners and entrepreneurs in growing themselves, their companies, and improving personal lives. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Amy. I'm glad to be here. Yes. With over 31 years of experience, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Sure. And it, uh, you know, I hope it's exciting for people to hear, but I'll tell you, my journey has really been an evolution uh, of personal and professional learning and experiences. And the cool thing when you look back is each time period and the business life I lived built on the previous, just to go way back, things that, that formed me early, uh, kind of a negative thing, my father died very young. He was 43 years old. Our mother raised all four of us by herself. Uh, and honestly, Amy, that was not the norm in the early 1970s. You know, it's kind of a norm today. It wasn't then. So that said, I didn't really have a lot of guidance in terms of business and experience and what I should do. So I figured out, okay, since I like math and electronics, I'll, be, I'll go into electrical engineering. So I attended Purdue University, graduated, and began that engineering career. But then as I learned more about myself as an adult and my abilities and built skill sets, I really shifted to be more of an industry consultant and, and revenue generation guy, business development executive. Uh, and honestly, I never looked back when I shifted away from engineering. So each role I had from that kept building on the previous and, and success. And then along the way, I always wanted my own company, but I couldn't find the path to get started. You know, there's career demands, family commitments, cash flow needs. You know, I couldn't find uh, two years to starve to try to start something. So I really stayed on the track to try to obtain ownership in, in companies I was with by being that revenue generation guy. And unfortunately, that it did not pan out. Um, I had two promises, verbal promises that got yanked away. And then honestly, at halftime, it was the halftime of my, of my business life. And I thought, well, you know, with the firm I was with, they melted down. I thought, you know, do I go find a job? Do I do my own thing? And I thought, you know what? If I don't do it now, I never will. So I worked with an entrepreneur coach who's also a very successful entrepreneur to really figure out, okay, if I'm going to do this thing, whatever it is, what should I do? What could I do? Because there's a lot of options out there. But with the conversations over many, many months, he and I talked about three and a half to four months. uh, And then some assessments he put me through, we had several themes that became very clear. One, I always work with owners of companies. Two, I was always very strategic in how I worked with them. And then I'm very blessed to have what I call a combo brain, that it can be big picture as well as tactical. So I can go up or down. So that, that's very cool. I've always been that revenue generation guy, being very growth focused. But my working style is also very collaborative, how I work with owners, clients, and associates. So that panned out for really good success, leading teams along the way. So I figured out that from this, he recommended, he goes, you should be a business owner's advisor to really help owners of companies that are presidents, CEOs, and even if they're an internal profit and loss owner, P&L owner, you can do that as well too. So he helped me figure out a great complimentary strategy with my firm, Mastermind Advisory Services, to work with owners as an advisor 
be their fractional sales leader, as well as lead peer advisory groups, bringing owners together in a collaborative manner. So he helped me craft that three-legged stool that is my company now. Through that journey, what are you grateful for now? You know, truly, I'm really grateful for the ups and downs because there's been a lot of them. <laughs> a lot of, you know, really the opportunities I've had that have come my way. Sometimes I, I felt like I really found the opportunity. In some cases, it found me. The thing I'm really grateful for is the fear of the unknown. When I really stepped out of my comfort zone to do things. Give an example, when I was that young engineer in the engineering world, I was pretty shy and couldn't really talk to people. So a mentor of mine said, what cures fear? Action. So he pushed me to intentionally get out of my comfort zone uh, and, and talk to various people. So really, I, I've had a lot of colleagues that supported me. My competitors challenged me to be better than I thought I could, which was great. And then really, I'm grateful for my mentors that gave me a hard message, the good coaching message. That's very cool. And the final final piece that I'm really grateful for is my mother. She honestly gave me a great example of figuring out, you know, we're not the dealer in life. Sometimes we just play the hand we're dealt. And she persevered through a lot of things. So she really kept a strong front in the face of tragedy and perseverance. So what are some of the top reasons why executives get stuck and how do you help them move forward? Yeah, that's a good question. A lot of a lot of company owners and executives get stuck. One, their mindset. If they still have small company mindset, um, many are stuck in that manner because when they started their company, they were good at, at doing the thing, as I call it, whatever that thing is. And they wake up a few years later, they've got employees, revenue growth, but they're still stuck in that mindset of where they started. So they need a different perspective to shake themselves out of it and come out and work on their business to go to a better destination than just being busy doing the thing today. So that's the first one, small company mindset. The second one really is attempting too much. They're wearing too many hats. A lot of private business owners, they need to learn to let go of various tasks that they can be hired out. For example, should a business owner post on LinkedIn a couple of times a day or several times a week, or should they hire a marketing firm or virtual assistants to do that for them? It's much more productive and greater rewards from hiring it out. So I help owners by getting them to understand their top priorities. I call their platinum activities, as well as top frustrations and what those cost them, and then working with them so they understand which ones they should do that drive the best benefit to their companies and then hire the other ones out. So really it's a prioritization exercise. And then the third the third way executives get stuck is they don't seek out advice from counsel. Owners really need that key strategic advisor that can help guide them, especially when they when they've out kicked their coverage. You know, they're flying along blind and not sure where they're going. They get stuck looking in their business and need an unbiased perspective to help pull themselves out and work on their business. That's very important. So what a lot of them do is you know, they'll say, well, I talked to my brother or my sister or, you know, there's a couple of colleagues I get with every, you know, once a quarter and, and we just kind of chit chat. And that's okay, fine. But the reality is you can have better benefits since that's at random if you, one, be with a consistent advisor that's unbiased. Two, bring together diverse business owners to get even better perspectives on a consistent basis. Okay. And then three, make sure that advisor is asking the hard questions so that way you really have a good dialogue. So the three, the three reasons really is that small company mindset, attempting too much, and not seeking out advice from unbiased counsel. How do you find that uh, unbiased counsel? Because I know that that's going to be on, on top of a lot of people's minds. How did you find that initially? And, and I know that you're somebody that provides that for some people, but how would somebody uh, find you if they're out there yeah. looking for somebody to help them? 
Great question. And a lot, a lot of people use LinkedIn to try to find a, a coach. What I would do is ask your colleagues and your co-owners, other business owners, hey, are you using a professional advisor or a coach? Who are you using? What's their background? I would pull my network to figure out who's using who to understand who's good. There's a lot of coaches out there. You also need to sit down and look at who knows your industry and who can give you unbiased advice from a different industry, kind of one step removed. That's very important as well. I actually sought out entrepreneur coach as opposed to just business coach or life coach. Um, So that category was very important to me when I was looking. I mean, I interviewed four and hired one. So that was very important. So I would talk to my network, talk to colleagues and search their skills uh, and make sure that they actually are qualified. That's good. How do you help executives to start exceeding their goals and create a balanced life at the same time? You know, there's there's no secret to success. Uh, the reality is it's the result of preparation, um, a lot of diligent hard work, uh, and learning from failure. You know, those things are very important. Really, the way I help executives is it all starts with crafting a personal vision. You know, what is your personal vision? What, why are you doing this? What do you want out of it? Then we go to a company vision. What should the company look like? Why are you doing this? That's very, very important because when things get a little rough, you got to go back to your personal vision as to why you're doing this. So help them craft those. Then I work with them to really look at their company, construct a strategic plan for long-term growth that has one, three, and, and five-year goals in it. Usually we stop about five years because the landscape changes pretty quick. But also the next piece is I work with them on their time, their relationship with time. Um, and that's where we discover what are their platinum activities, what are their top frustrations, what is it costing you to do certain things. That's very, very important. So by having that together, then we've set all those together with their goals. And then we look at, okay, the triangle, spiritual, mental, physical. How do we keep that in balance? That's very important because you can work 70, 80 hours a week and just drive yourself into the ground. That doesn't work. We've got to have the personal vision, company vision, strategic plan, the goals, but then what are we going to do with that when we when we achieve it? How are we going to get back to our family and our community? So those are very, very important. So I'll sit down and have the conversation with them about instead of a, a do have be perspective, make sure that you're focused on be, do, and then you have. Very, very important. Okay. So when they follow that roadmap, then they get in better balance and have greater success and greater fulfillment. I like that, especially because I'm one of those people that uh, continues to work on the balance because <laughs> I, I think that when you're you know kind of a high achiever, you know at least for me, when I first started to incorporate more hobbies into my life, at first mm-hmm. it was, why am I doing this? This is a waste of time. It's not. Pr- it doesn't produce anything. Like mm-hmm. doing something just for fun didn't calculate. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the, the high achievers, it, it's tough because they always want to do more. And that's where prioritization comes into play. You know, here's the company, here's the goals, here's my personal priorities. So let's talk about, you know, taking two hours and spending it with family. If you're a high achiever, set that as your goal so you can accomplish it. Yeah, definitely. What does your analysis process look like and how do you identify gaps and issues and are keeping them from their goals? Great question. And, and really the, 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 the question before kind of starts into that with personal vision, company vision, strategic plan and, and diagnostics. But then as I go to the next level, I really look at people, processes and technology. You know, and today everything is data driven. So looking at a company's people in the in a gap analysis, do you have the right people on the bus? That's very, very important. Do they have the right 
Um, have you done personality assessments on them? Do they have the right skills? Do they have a desire? You know, ability skill sets desire. Do they have a fire in their belly to be successful or not? Um, that's huge. I mean, you know, the book Good to Great teaches you you've got to have the right people on the bus. Uh, that's that's number one. When I work with an owner, we'll conduct a full business diagnostic on their company and a SWAT, you know, strength, weakness, opportunity, and threat. Uh, and that's conducted jointly from my perspective and their perspective. So we'll look at up to 11 core areas of like, you know, sales, marketing, HR, delivery processes. And then depending on what their business is, a few optional ones to understand where they perceive some gaps and falling down and where I perceive gaps and fall down. So we'll put those together. Next area is I'll look at the revenue generation side. You know, do you have, you know, a defined sales process that you're following? You're not a concept, but a defined process to really have predictable revenue and milestones in a sales process when you're generating revenue. Huge. Then the next piece is what is their technology landscape and what's the adoption for the technology? You know, at the basics, are they a Microsoft or a Google house? Are you using technology that drives effectiveness? Especially when you're talking revenue generation, are you really actively using a CRM, customer relationship management system that ties into the rest of your systems? Has it fully been adopted? Or do you have people that, well, I'll put a little bit in, but not. That's key. Having the technology and adopting it. Um, so that way they can be more productive and have more predictable revenue. And then the final piece is data, data, data. Do you really have company KPIs in the various areas, you know, like marketing and sales and HR and customer service? And do you have uh, sales KPIs for your salespeople? Does everyone in the company have individual KPIs, even the owner? What is it you're trying to achieve? What are your KPIs? That's very, very important uh, because the owner is leading by example. So, and you'd be surprised. Most companies and even most owners don't have KPIs for themselves. It's very surprising. But the big philosophy I have is if you don't measure it, you cannot manage it. You don't know if it's working, right? That's right. Exactly right. That's a fall down where they're, they come in Monday morning, everyone's busy, but are we being as effective as we could be? Are we really driving the results we want for the company and our clients? That's key. You've got to have the data. You've got to measure it. So what are the top sales problems that businesses face and why? You know, it, it goes right back to people, processes, and technology. You know, right away, do you have the right people? Do you have the right defined and followed sales processes? And are you using technology that enables effectiveness? That's key. I mean, step one, what they need, obviously, the overall strategic plan like we talked about, but then they've got to have a tactical sales plan. So each of their revenue generators knows exactly what they're going to do when they come in Monday morning. You need that for each person. What I've seen in my business life is too many salespeople get busy and they are not as effective as they could be. There's more to do today than we can get done. You've got to have an effective working plan for each person so that way they know what they're going to do to drive revenue. Then the next key is narrow your focus. Each revenue generator, you've got to narrow your focus. You cannot be all things to all people. And I've seen too many salespersons, they're all over the board. That does not work. You've got to carve out your niche, know it, and add value to your clients. Very, very important. The next piece is they need to know their client's business, business challenges, um, and honestly, how to ask the insightful questions to diagnose problems and then solve them. I mean, you, you cannot be in a sales mode today. You've got to be a business advisor, regardless of your title, to work with each client to understand their specific role, how their role impacts their company, and how you can help them be more successful. That's getting to their side of the table. That's huge. Then the next key is that most companies don't have a great lead generation program. Um, gone are the days of 20, 30 years ago when you fill a room of 
20 salespeople and they beat up the phones and make phone calls and get appointments and go sell things, so to speak. That day's over. Today, it's marketing, marketing, marketing. 20 years ago, sales and marketing were way far apart. Today, they're intertwined like never before. You've got to have a crafty lead generation program. That way, it curates the interest. Then as a business advisor or salesperson, you can work with those clients that are interested to help really solve their challenges and grow revenue. How do you uh, encourage busy executives to take time out for balance when they're under massive pressure to perform? You know, it conceptually, it, it's, it's a lot of questions and really get them to look at themselves. And I always go back to the triangle, spiritual, mental, physical, spiritual on top, mental and physical on the, the bottom ends of it. Actually, you know, an example, two months ago, I sat down with a gentleman who owns a financial planning firm and as a potential client. He was honestly worn out. He was struggling. He was working an insane amount of hours. I mean, I kept asking, are you working 60 hours? More, 70, more. He's always working, not seeing his family. So with him, I just use the analogy of a Formula One race car running a race and running out of gas. You're not going to win the race if you just push, 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 push. You, every so often, that race car driver's got to come into the pits for a tank fill up, a windshield clean. He needs a protein shake, driver beverage. You need that as well as a business owner. You've got to have that. The other key question I ask them is, okay, owners, what is your greatest investment? And most will say my company, my real estate portfolio, my retirement, you know, equities, whatever. I said, okay, in actuality, you are the greatest investment you have. You are the greatest money-making vehicle you have. You must take care of yourself so you can lead and perform. It's vital for our ability to live, not to just be alive, but to actually live. You are it. And you know, one of the perspectives I like to give is that quote by Steve Jobs regarding his life. You know, Steve Jobs, founder of Apple, worth billions when he passed away, but it really gets you thinking about the real priorities in life. And I'm going to read it real quick, but it's his quote. He said, I reached the pinnacle of success in the business world in others' eyes. My life is an epitome of success. However, aside from work, I have little joy. In the end, wealth is only a fact of life that I'm accustomed to. At this moment, lying on the sick bed and recalling my whole life, I realized that all the recognition and wealth that I took so much pride in have paled and become meaningless in the face of impending death. In the darkness, I look at the green lights from the life-supporting machines and hear the humming mechanical sounds. I can feel the breath of God and death drawing closer to me. Now I know when we've accumulated sufficient wealth to last our lifetime, we should pursue other matters that are unrelated to wealth. Should be something that is more important, perhaps relationships, perhaps art, maybe a dream from younger days. Nonstop pursuing of wealth will only turn a person into a twisted being like me. God gave us the senses to let us feel the love in everyone's heart, not the illusions brought about by wealth. The wealth I've won in my life, I cannot bring with me. What I can bring is only the memories precipitated by love. That's the true riches which follow you, accompany you, giving you strength and life to go on. Love can travel a thousand miles. Life has no limit. Go where you want to go. Reach the height you want to reach. It's all in your heart and in your hands. So what's the most expensive bed in the world? The sick bed. You can employ someone to drive your car for you, make money for you, but you cannot have someone bear the sickness for you. Material things lost can be found, but there's one thing that can never be found when it's lost, and that's life. When a person goes into the operating room, he'll realize that there's one book that has yet to be finished reading, and that's the book of healthy life. So whichever stage in life we're at right now with time, we'll face the day when the curtain comes down. So treasure love for your family, love for your spouse, love for your friends, and cherish others. Steve Jobs. That was his quote. 
a man worth $6 billion gave perspective. That's what I tell business owners. We put people on a pedestal that are like him, Mm -hmm. you know, and think, wow, if I could have that level of success and then take a look at the reality of that. You know, I think, you know, there's probably a lot of others that are, you know, in that same sort of vein as him that deal with the exact same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And they still still have life. They're still living now, but they don't, they don't take time for, for what actually really matters. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that all goes back to what's your personal vision? You know, what do you want out of life? And then that triangle, it goes back to that. You've got to have that to balance it out. So that's what I perspective I give to business owners. That's great. So what are some of your success stories? You know, here's one big picture one. So there was a a company I worked with. They were a high technology reseller and they did some training and some limited services. They were running about $14 million in revenue, uh, began my engagement with them. They were a long established company. They've been around for a couple of decades, but I recognized right away that the owner had no vision and he was stuck with small company mentality. He'd been there a long time, kind of grew up with it. He was still in that mode with that. I went ahead and utilized my diagnostic areas that we talked about before. He didn't have a strategic plan. His revenue generators didn't have sales plans. He didn't have a CRM. He had antiquated technology. There were six salespeople in the company, but I, after being with them, I could tell they weren't as effective as they could be. I mean, they were just being busy, as we call it. So, so I worked with him and said, okay, here's where we're going to start. Even though he's resistant to doing a personal vision, we did craft a strategic plan for the company. That actually was a 10-year strategic plan with five, three, and one-year goals. Then, with each of his revenue generator, sat with each of them and helped them each construct a working sales plan that was very tactical for their respective business unit. Okay. Then we get, we grabbed a CRM and deployed it and mandated its use by everybody. I mean, all activity in it. No more Word documents, no more spreadsheets, no little black books. Everything goes in the CRM, so you have a complete history of every engagement with each potential client. Then next step was some sales training that we did formally and then I reinforced, uh, as well as invoked formal sales processes. So the salespeople could really understand how to build a need with clients, how to follow a process, and we had better predictable revenue from that. With that, I drafted a value proposition for the company that everyone adopted and espoused, you know, kind of a 30-second elevator pitch value prop. That was important so they could answer it quick. The other key that took a while was helping the revenue generation team, sales team, really understand how to sit on the other side of the table with their various clients and show business value. With that, of the six people, a couple of them adopted things really quick. A couple were kind of moderate and two were a little bit slow, but we got everybody caught up. I got everybody caught up. Two years later, they were at $22 million. Wow. Huge, huge growth. Now, there were more areas to improve for the diagnostic. I mean, there was customer service, marketing, HR, delivery, you know, that there was other ones to improve. I ended that engagement after two years because the results we had, and that was our agreement up front, but it gave all that to the owners who continued pursuing the improvements. That's amazing. It's a great success. If you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out on your journey, what would it be? One piece. I don't know if I had one. I'll take the blinders off, you know, talk to a lot of different executives to get uh, explore the landscape of business and just continue to learn. And then truly believe in yourself. You know, now knowledge and belief are two completely different things, but believe in yourself and have the courage to take that calculated jump, you know, jump into that darkness when you're not sure what's going to happen. And what I tell people and I've told myself and I learned is spend time outside your comfort zone. That's where growth happens. And then 
be patient with yourself, give yourself time to grow. And that's really tough for high achievers because you know they want results now, but give yourself time to grow. And then honestly, enjoy the journey. Don't be so destination focused, but enjoy the journey because there's enjoyment along the way. So I guess really that's probably probably five pieces of advice I would give myself. <laughs> I love that. I had somebody tell me when I started my agency, he said, one day you're going to look back and this is going to be the golden years. This is going to be the years that you just thought were so amazing. And I'm like, I work so hard. I don't know about that. But yeah, it's true. It's that journey. And we always look back yeah, at yeah. that journey and, and think how amazing those days were. And now it's, is those days. <laughs> exactly. You know what? It, it, a little quick little snippet. Yesterday at church, we did a medley of songs. And one of them, I, I remember the song from literally 14 years ago. It was a song that my daughter and I would dance to when she was four years old. So we'd do a ballroom dance, then we kind of have fun together. That song brought back that memory. You know, and that goes back to, you know, that spiritual, mental, physical triangle of, you know, here's the journey and, you know, spend time with family because I could have worked that evening. But no, we had a regular time when we were together that we had fun as dad and daughter. You can't replace that. Now she's going to go to college and I won't get that time back. So another way of enjoying that journey. Definitely. So, Michael, if there are people that are listening that are interested in your services, what's the best way to get a hold of you? You know, they can they can find me at my website, which is www.mastermind-kc.com, letters K and C, so www.mastermind-kc.com. They can find me on LinkedIn, Michael Gansman, uh, which my contact information is on there, or they can, they can give me a quick phone call, you know, 913-991-3671. So happy to have a conversation with them just to give them greater details of my perspective and, and help them figure out if the jump is for them. Perfect. And I'll put all those links down below. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your expertise. You're welcome, Amy. Lo love your podcast. Thanks for doing it for entrepreneurs like us so we can kind of come in community together and learn how to grow each other. Awesome yeah. being here. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. And if you're listening, you want more information about A Call to Thrive, you can go to a call to thrive.com. Thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful week.